0: Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church, Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. So, some of my favorite videos, hands down, are wisdom teeth removal videos. Undebatable. Raise your hand if you've had your wisdom teeth removed. Okay, so... Whether you've had your wisdom teeth removed or not, you probably know somebody who's had their wisdom teeth removed. And it's funny to me, because when you get your wisdom teeth removed, you're in pain, like you're busted looking, you're bleeding. And the people closest to you have one job. It's not to make sure you get home safely. It's not to make sure you take your meds. Their one job is to make sure they get a video, video, of course. But what's almost even funnier to me than just watching the video is watching the person who's in the video watch their video when the medicine wears off. You ever see it? Because they'll be like, oh my gosh, I said that. I did that. I thought that. There's this kid in youth who's like a pretty good kid. Like he's not like a crazy whatever. But he got his wisdom teeth removed and his mom sent me the video. And I don't want to like throw names out and stuff because, you know, his dad is the principal of Faith Academy and stuff. So I was playing. It wasn't Josh. Um. It really wasn't. His mom sent me a video cause he's like a pretty good kid. But in the video, like he's just cussing, cuss word after cuss word. And it was like this long text. Like, does this mean my baby really talks like this? Is he being two faced with me? But it's kind of like, and it, yeah, I was like, yep. Have a good day. <laughs> I was like, I didn't say that. I was like, I don't know, we'll pray for him. But uh, it's kind of easy in that situation. Because you could just blame the bad decision on the medicine, right? What I want to talk about is like the terrible decisions we make. And we don't really have anything to blame it on. Like we didn't get our wisdom teeth out. We were just dumb. You know what I'm saying? I was looking at the scripture in the Bible. Uh, It's in in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And it's about the people of Israel. You out there, everybody say Israel. Israel. The people of Israel, they make this really bad decision. And I started reading it, and I started trying to figure out, like, okay, why did they make such a bad decision? And when I really dug into it, I realized that they made a really bad and dumb life decision for many of the same reasons that maybe you and I will make dumb decisions. Let me set the scene for you. This story is in 1 Samuel Chapter 8, that's the Old Testament. If you don't know, the Old Testament is before Jesus came. And like I said, we're looking at the nation of Israel. And it was a time when the country was not being run by a king. They were being run by a prophet. The prophet's name was Samuel. And Samuel would basically hear from God on behalf of the people. And he would go and he would tell the people how to live. As long as they were listening to the prophet Samuel and thus God, everything was going good. They would live in prosperity God would fight their enemies and win. In fact, in chapter 7, we're in chapter 8 today, but just one chapter earlier, chapter 7, God kind of gives the Israelites this big underdog victory where they come out on top. But what you don't know when you read the Bible is from chapter 7 to chapter 8, it's been 25 years. And so we read it like the next day. No, it's the next chapter, but it's not the next day. It's been 25 years and things in the country are starting to shift. Samuel, the prophet who runs everything for them, he's getting really old. And the people of Israel, they're like, man, what are we going to do when this dude dies? Who's going to take over? His sons, they're not good people. They can't do it. And so they start freaking out, freaking out. And the elders call a meeting with the prophet Samuel. We're picking up in 1 Samuel chapter 8, 3 through 4. You got the underlined part. It says this, finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Verse 5 says, look, they told him, you're now old. Eesh. You're now old and your sons aren't like you. Give us a to judge us like all the other nations have. And as you see, Samuel's going to tell them, like, guys, this is a bad idea. You don't want a king. A king will take advantage of you. A king will draft your sons. He'll make your daughters... Uh, work for him in the fields and make his clothes. Like, he will eventually enslave you. This is a bad idea, a bad decision. Don't make it. But they don't care. And in verse 19 and 20, these are the two verses we are going to stick with today. Because I promise you, if you dive into them, there's a lot here. Look at 19 and 20. This is their reply after Samuel warms them. Warms them. He doesn't warm them. warn them. Warned them. Verse 19, he says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. They want a king. And I'm telling you, this turns out to be a terrible, terrible, terrible decision for the country. Uh, And I want to show you why they made it. Because I know you've made dumb decisions, I know I've made dumb decisions, and sometimes it's easier for us to know we've made a bad decision, but not necessarily trace the reasons for us making a bad decision. So the title of my message today is In a Hurry, In a Haze, and In My Head. Help me out, say in a hurry, in a a haze. a haze, in my head. Let's get it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for everything that you're doing. God, thank you for giving us your word. And for really letting us study it so that we could see what's going on and how we can apply it to our lives. God, we're just a bunch of imperfect people. Imperfect young adults trying to do the best we can. I just ask that you meet us here today. Somehow use something I say to be helpful so that we leave here with a little more clarity on our situation. And God, let us leave here more like you than when we came. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. So one more time, okay? Samuel warns them, you guys don't. I said warms again, warns, warns, Samuel warms them, just kidding, Samuel warns them, you do, you guys do not want a king, but they refuse, and here's our two verses, there's three things I want you to see in it, and we're going to go, verse 19, but the people refuse, you just read this, the people refuse to listen to Samuel's warning, even so, we still want a, they said, we want to be like the, I know it's not underlined, nations around us. And our king will judge us and lead us into three things. We want a king. We want to be like the nations. And he'll lead us into battle. Let me talk about each starting with the first. We want a king. Here's the crazy thing. God's plan for the nation of Israel from the very beginning was that they would have a king. He founded the Israelite nation through a guy named Abraham. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know uh, Israel descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But before Israel was even a nation, look at God's promise to, Israel, to Abraham about Israel. Genesis 17:6. God tells Abraham, he says, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Kings. God's plan for Israel from the beginning was that it would have kings. So watch this. Israel did not want a wrong thing. It was just the wrong time. They didn't want a wrong thing. They knew the promises. They knew eventually kings would come from the prophecies. They didn't want a wrong thing. It was just the wrong time. But they got in a hurry. And so many of our dumb decisions we make aren't because we always want a wrong thing. It's because we get in a hurry. So, if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I want you to write down. We make bad decisions when we get impatient. Everybody say impatient. Is it possible that maybe what you want right now is the right thing, but the wrong time? See, we all do this in some ways or another. We can want something good, but we want it right now. And God's like, wait. Just wait on that for a second. And even though he says that, we're like, oh, God, I'm going to do it now. It's the right thing. It's the wrong time. And what we've got to understand is that telling God now is just as bad as telling God no. See, we talk about telling God no a lot in church, right? If God tells you to pray, don't say no. God tells you to give or forgive, don't say no. And that's all fine and well. But I think a lot of our bad decisions come not because we told God no but because we demanded now. Listen, when I was graduating college, I knew that God was calling me to get my master's in divinity. It's basically a master. It sounds like a Harry Potter degree. It's not. Every time I say it, I'm like, master's in the Bible, which is way lower, but whatever. Master's in divinity. And I knew God was calling me to do it. I wasn't going to say no. I didn't necessarily want to go to three more years of school post-college, but I did it. So I had kind of three schools on my radar, if you will. There was Fuller Theological Seminary that was in Los Angeles. There was Asbury, I was in Kentucky. And then there was Regent in uh, Virginia Beach. And those were my three kind of whatever in that order. So I applied to the schools. I applied to Asbury. And I applied to uh, Fuller first and foremost because those were my top two. And it had been months, nothing. I was like, ah, come on. And you know how I like, get you try to make spiritual sense of this. So I'm like, maybe God is closing doors. I don't know. So I applied to Regent, my third one. And the very same day I applied to Regent, the same day I submit my application, a couple hours later, I get a call telling me I've been accepted and telling me that I got a scholarship, a good scholarship. So I'm pumped. I call my mom, and I'm like, Mom, the same day that I applied, I got accepted in a scholarship. I think I'm going to accept it now. Now I call my dad. Dad, the same day I apply, I got an acceptance and a scholarship. I, th- I think I'm going to accept it now. And they're all happy for me. But then I called Eden's dad. I wasn't married to Eden yet. But uh, I wanted his opinion. He's a doctor. He is a professor. teaches seminary too. So I called him. And I was like, Dr. Watson, I literally ex- applied today, got accepted, and got a scholarship. I am pumped. And he was like, "Uh, like, I'm proud of you, but... That's kind of a red flag. I was like, what do you mean? Just jealous. (laughs) He was like, he was like, so smart. Um, He was like, well, if they accepted you and are throwing money at you the same day you applied, there's probably not that many people that want to go to that school. So he's like, if I was you, I would go to Virginia Beach and make sure that you go check that school out before you just accept it now. And I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to marry his daughter. So I called my mom. I did. Took one for the team, baby. Virginia Beach. I had to take a trip to Virginia Beach, it was awful. So I went to, me, my mother and I flew to Virginia Beach and the second I stepped on the campus, it was not the vibe. Like I was like, "Mm mm-mm. I didn't click with the professors. So I didn't have any other option, and I was frustrated because I wanted it now. Like I wanted to like get it in stone. I wanted to start looking for an apartment. I wanted to be able to tell people what I was going to do because people always ask, and when you finish school, so what's next? I don't know. Leave me alone. But I wanted to accept it now, and I knew it wasn't right. So with no other options in the bag, I turned it down. About three weeks later, I got a call from my first choice, Fuller Theological Seminary which was in Los Angeles, and not only did they accept me, but they offered me more money to go there than I would have gotten at Regent. That school turned out to be one of the best decisions in my life, but I almost made the wrong decision, not because I told God no, but because I told him now. So each point has a little practical application for you. Here's the first one. We make bad decisions when, first of all, we get impatient. So here's just a little advice. Make time to listen to God and to listen to mentors. Make time for that, man. People are smarter than you. God has a better plan. And I don't want you to want the right thing at the wrong time and fall into a trap. So, God knows what you need, but He knows when you need it. And the people closest to you can help you see that. This is what Samuel is trying to do. He's trying to warn the people of Israel hey, This isn't right, but they don't listen. Let's get back to that story, okay? Again, they insist on having a king. He says, don't do it. And here's their reasoning why. Verses 19 to 20. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king. I just talked about that. That was number one. Verse 20. We want to be like the nations around us. Let's talk about it. See, they wanted to be like all the other nations, which is kind of sad. Because if you read the Bible, they weren't supposed to be like all the other nations. They were set apart, a holy people. They were supposed to be blessed. And not only that, they were supposed to be so blessed that they were a blessing to other nations. But they kind of forget who they're supposed to be. And when you forget who you're supposed to be, it's easy to conform to something that you're not. And so they forget their identity and make a really bad decision. Before I get there, I don't like to show you things and and, and not prove it. So here you go. Here's what God told them in Deuteronomy 7.6. He says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, they were supposed to be different. They forgot their identity. They make a bad decision. And we make bad decisions, if you're taking notes, number two, not just because we get impatient, but because we forget our identity. Did you know that God calls you to be different? Like, different than all the other people that believe in God, but kind of live with one foot in, one foot out. Different than the people who don't believe in God. Like, he wants you to be different, set apart, chosen, holy. You should stand out. But I think a lot of times we forget that. I just read you an Old Testament scripture about Israel. Let me read you a New Testament scripture about the church. Watch. 1 Peter 2.9. He's not talking about Israel. He's talking about you and me. He says, but you are a chosen race. a Royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own, it's almost the same scripture, but now it's about us, own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. I don't think we always remember this, and I think a lot of times we make bad decisions. It's not because we don't know what to do, it's because we don't know who we are. I had a mentor tell me this, and I'll never forget it. He said, when you know what to do. No, I'm sorry. He said, when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. And I think the problem with a lot of Christians is that we don't really know who we are. Meaning we don't really know which group we belong to. If we're honest, we look out and it's like, okay. ah, Do I want to kind of be in this circle of people who are all out passionate for Jesus, love him, aren't ashamed of it. Or do I kind of want to come with this crowd that... You know, has one foot in, one foot out. It is what it is. And until you know who you are and which one you belong to, you'll never know what to do. Because we're forgetting our identity. If we're hazy and unclear about it, we're not going to make right choices. You're going to laugh at me. But I couldn't think, I couldn't help but think, rather, of the Lion King when I was writing this. Okay? Who's all seen the Lion King? Who hasn't seen the Lion King? Would you leave? I'm playing. You for real haven't seen the Lion King? That's crazy, dude. Wow. So you were homeschooled? (laughs) No? So you didn't graduate. Okay. Uh, I'm playing with you. She said East. Um, So in The Lion King, let's recap it for Maddie Chacon, everybody. So in The Lion King, you have Simba, and his dad is Mufasa, and he's the king, right? And Simba knows that he's next in line for the little lion throne, right? And he's honestly, he knows who he is, and he's cocky about it. He is. I want to be a mighty king. Remember that song? Oh, I just can't. Wait, wait, what's the part I like? I want to be a mighty king, so enemies beware. Oh, I've never seen her with quite so little hair. All right. Oh, i just All right, stop. Okay, so Simba grows up, right? He knows who he's supposed to be, but eventually he gets deceived into going somewhere he should not go, and it's a catastrophe that sets off this big chain of events, and the biggest chain of events that it set off is his dad, the king, Mufasa, goes to rescue him, and in the process of trying to rescue Simba, his son, he's killed. So Simba's sitting there, and he's like, oh my gosh, what did I do? He starts to feel guilty. He feels bad about himself. And technically, he's next in line for the throne. He knows what he should do, but he feels so bad. So he runs away. He meets Timon and Pumbaa, right? And he's just hanging out in his little village wherever he's at. And he doesn't do the right thing until. He knows what he should do, but he doesn't do the right thing until he remembers something. And you know that if I have the chance to play Lion King in church, you better believe I'm going to. So please enjoy this little clip of Lion It's like three minutes we're about to watch because I'm about to make a point. Go ahead, roll it. You creepy little monkey. Will you stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh. come here, it's a secret. Asan, desa! Squash, banana, me, Grr, enough already! What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong! I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. Huh? Bye. Hey, wait! You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again! (laughs) He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on! Hurry up! Hey, whoa, That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look (sighs) how. The weather, very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, uh, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah, you see? So, what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! a stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Go on! Get out of here! I know I just made you watch a four-minute clip like it's kids' church in the 1990s. But Simba did not know what to do until he remembered who he was. Ah, Simba's about to preach to you. Listen, some of you are making bad decisions not because you're bad people. Some of you are making bad decisions, not because you don't know the, the, the difference between right and wrong, not because you don't know what to do. You're making bad decisions because you don't know who you are. At some point, you're caught up on the past. It's paralyzing you. And you've got to look past the past. Look at your reflection and realize who you are. Realize who lives on the inside of you. The Spirit of God. You know what that means? You're a child of God. You know what that means? You're set free you're not guilty, you are not, you don't have to wear so many of the labels that you carry around, but if you never know who you really are in Christ, you're never really going to know what to do, and I see so many people that are just broken, and they're having an identity crisis, it's not even just this age, it's ages all over the place, and they're walking with so much shame, so many labels, so much confusion, because at the end of the day, they don't know who they are. Your identity is not based on what you did. If it comes to Christianity, your identity is based on what was done for you by Jesus Christ on the cross. That's it. No more further discussion. And when that goes from your head to your heart, you realize the implication it has for your life. And you're no longer so confused about what to do because you know who you are. See, when you see what that really means, children of God can look at two options. And if you start with remembering who you are, you know what to do. So maybe you get an option. You get hurt by somebody and you got an option. I can walk in unforgiveness or I can choose to forgive them and get past it. Remember who you are. Children of God don't walk in unforgiveness. I'm doing this one. When it comes down to two things, I can try to prove my self-worth to so many people and just... Hope that I'm good enough. Or, you know what? My self-worth has already been determined on a cross. Which one am I going to do? Well, let me remember who I am. I'm a child of God. I don't have to prove my worth to anybody. But we don't know how to do that because we don't know who we are. And this is what happened to Israel. They forgot their identity and they made terrible decisions. So we make bad decisions when, number two, we forget our identity. So, remember who you are in Christ. I'm going to finish with this. Last point, and uh, sweet, Paul, you're always on it. Last time I'm going to show you this scripture. This is quick. I know I'm preaching a little bit long. I'm sorry about that. But Israel insists on having a king. Even though the prophet Samuel warns them. And let's see why they justify this terrible decision one more time. You ready? Verse 19 and 20. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a what? King. We already talked about that. Verse 20. We want to be like the Nations around us. We just talked about that. And now, lastly, our king will judge us and lead us into battle. I want to end on a sympathetic note. I feel kind of bad for Israel because at the heart of what Israel is saying is hey, we are scared. Like at the end of the day, we need somebody to lead us into battle. And you can understand that because all these other kids, historically speaking, politically speaking, all these other nations and, and tribes, whatever, they had kings to rally the troops. They had leaders of armies. Armies were big. And not only that, they didn't just have kings, but they were constantly creeping up on the border of Israel. And Israel would see this and it got in their head. They would think, oh, Lord, we need help. What am I gonna do? It got in their head, made them scared, they got intimidated, and because they got intimidated, they ended up making a bad decision. And here's my last and final point. We make bad decisions when we become intimidated. Everybody say intimidated. One of the biggest lessons I'm trying to learn right now is to make decisions out of faith, not out of fear. Because I can't tell you how many times I'll be praying I'll be reading and God will give me vision for my life or he'll give me vision for YA or SM and I'll be so passionate about it. Ooh, we're going to see God work and then I'll leave and it don't take the devil hardly any time to get me in my head. And I start thinking of all the reasons it might not work, all the logistics God might have missed. And then I make a decision, not out of faith, but out of fear. I become intimidated and then I make the wrong decision. So many times, if you get to the root of what we're doing, we're scared. We're making decisions because we're scared they might leave us, scared that God won't provide, scared, you name it. But we get intimidated by life with well, simple things, too. What about make something up? Uh, you ever like been passionate to invite someone to church? Like maybe you're praying, maybe you're worshiping, and you just have like vision for what God can do in your family member's life vision for what God can do in your friend's life. And you're like, man, I'm so excited. And then from the time you said amen to the time you got to school or to your workplace, you're already in your head like, mm, no, I actually, I don't think God came for them, right? And you, you're worried. You're scared. And you end up not doing what you're supposed to do. Listen, if you make decisions out of faith, God will come and fight for you. If you make decisions out of fear, you give somebody else permission to sit on the throne of your life and and run your life for you. God wanted to fight Israel's battles. That's the saddest thing. He didn't want them to have a king because he wanted to do the job of a king much better than a king could ever do. He says this in Deuteronomy 20 verse 4, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to, for you, against your enemies, to give you. God wanted to be the one who fought Israel's battles. And God wants to be the one who fights your battles. But you got to trust him. You got to praise him. You got to worship him. You got to believe in faith that he's going to help you see the victory that you're trying to see in your life. So last point, we make decisions, bad decisions, when we become intimidated. So here's my challenge. Start making your decisions with faith, not fear. In a hurry, in a haze, in your head. That's what Israel was don't make decisions like that don't make decisions because you're impatient or because you're forgetting your identity or because you're intimidated listen life can be scary but here's good news if God is for you who could be against you greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world and my challenge to you is to take all the complexities and chaos that comes with being the age you are now and all the decisions you make and choose to make decisions that you're proud of because you don't depend on your timing more than God's. Because you don't forget who you are and try to impress other people by being someone you're not. And because you don't um, get so scared by all the things that aren't in your control. Guess what? Who cares they're not in your control? Have faith. God's got you. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.